You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Noble and Bruce Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Bruce Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Bruce Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. Zach, how are you feeling today? How's Minnesota? Seems it's, cold. It's cold. It's probably feeling like what Josh has got going up north, but uh, I got my espresso happening right now and trying to survive off uh that two-year-old live and sleep the kid beat my ass up last night it's nice and crispy in houston uh it's like 48 i walked my dogs this morning honestly feels perfect uh but as you just alluded to we have a guest on the show um none other than mr josh eberly all the way from i don't know what province of canada but somewhere in canada uh josh how you doing man what's going on good man i'm doing well i'm in alberta it is cold i was joking this week Uh, i was leaving work and uh, I wanted to have a beverage or two with some colleagues after work. And my boss was like, if your, park, if your car sleeps in the parking lot, we'll just say it died. And we all laughed. And then I had a couple of beverages. I went to go start my car and it died. That's how cold it is in Canada right now. Oh my so God. good times. Yeah. So talk, I, need, I need a little info here because I, I don't understand Canada. Um, I'm a, I'm a classic, <laughs> classic American. So where is Alberta? Like we are west, second furthest west province. We're landlocked. We are Texas, Oklahoma of Canada, but cold. Got it. Okay. Close to Vancouver? Like a 12-hour drive. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought Vancouver was west. Okay. Vancouver is the most west. Got it. Okay. 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 That's where the Texas-Oklahoma part comes in. So is it just cold year-round? No. Like our, Our summers actually get quite warm. I, like, I don't know. Calgarians love to tell you that Denver and Calgary get the most sun out of anywhere in North America, but you feel it for that three months and winters are cold. So. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So are you, are people playing basketball outside? Do y'all play basketball indoors? Is there <laughs> basketball happening? In, basketball in is like a April till maybe October type thing outdoors. And then you got to find a why. Got it. Okay. What's All the right. dumbest question you get on the, the average day? About Canada from NBA Twitter. Uh, you know what? I was going to say, not NBA Twitter. Well, it's annoying. Like doing NBA radio spots. Yeah. I'll always do a radio spot and I'll do like Hawaii, ESPN Hawaii, or I'll do like somewhere in Wisconsin and they'll be like, yeah, Calgary. So you're from Calgary. That's right outside Toronto, right? I'm like, Toronto is like <laughs> a three day drive, my friend. Like, that's like asking someone from Portland if they're close to New York. It's just not, they're not close, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All I know is, um, 
Toronto's like above New York, right? Close too. Yeah. 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 Uh, where's that? Oh man, I went somewhere. God damn it. With Montreal. Montreal's over there too in the east, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. There we go. Yeah. All right. I know a little the bit. The fur traders up there, man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay, so- that- that is a pet peeve, man, because everyone's like, oh, you got a Canada flag. You're a Raptors fan. I'm like, I don't give a damn about the Raptors. I, yeah. I don't care at all, man. Well, um, but you say this with the Raptors Vince Carter jersey framed and hanging over to well, he's, he's a player's guy. Let's yeah. be honest. Vince, Vince is different, man. Vince is royalty. That's, that's a different thing. Okay. You, okay. you know he's a Mavericks fan, though, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. We've argued about this before, yeah. <laughs> which, which is honestly hilarious to me. Out of all the teams you're going to pick the Dallas Mavericks, I have to assume that's because of Dirk. I hope. Well, actually, it's because my mom's a flight attendant and six-year-old Josh got a Cowboys jersey, a Mavericks t-shirt, and that's just what it was. So, got it. So hey, I wish. I'm a Rockets Rock fan, but yeah. I, had, uh, I still have um, a Jason Kidd Mavs jersey from when he was a rookie. Okay, was, yeah, yeah. I was big on, on Jason Kidd as a, as a rookie. <clears throat> All right, man, so. Let's start on the Mavs. Huh? Let's start on the Mavs. I got to hear this Jason Kidd experiment. What's going on there? How are you feeling? Because uh, I haven't heard too much feedback on where people are viewing the Jason Kidd hiring and where they're sitting on the feelings there. You know what? I'll, I'll throw this out. I, I think people were very ready to kill Jason Kidd and say he was a terrible coach. And I think rightfully so, because the track record with Milwaukee and Brooklyn hadn't been great. And I don't, I don't think he's done an amazing job in Dallas, but I think the problems in Dallas are not of his making. I, I think this, this roster's issues were this roster's issues before he got there. And in terms of, is this team playing a little bit harder? Is there more continuity? Do the guys like him more? That appears to be true. Do I feel like any of the promises made about taking the ball out of Lucas' hands and playing a different style of basketball? and has any of that really shone through yet? No, not really. But at the end of the day, I, I think there was, there was an assumption he was going to be a bad coach. And whether that's true or not is still you know, up in the air because can Luca be in shape? Can they find someone to secondary playmate for him? Can Tim Hardaway Jr. bring it on a nightly basis? Can Christoph Porzingis stay healthy, bring it on a night? Like all of these problems, if you will, were, were here before he had. So I, I think you're right. I, I agree with the roster construction. Um, they didn't really do anything in the off season. They just added like what Sterling Brown, Reggie Bullock, just Reggie Bullock, them. baby. Yeah. It's a extended, you know, Tim Hardaway jr. Um, so they didn't really do anything to the roster kind of ran it back with like the whole heliocentric Luca type thing. And now they are 14 and 14. They're in the eight spot. Not promising. I think Porzingis has played. Okay. Um, better than people would expect, but I think it's funny how Luca is really is truly fulfilling his manifestation as the next James Harden. I mean, he really is right. Like out of shape, uh, playing heliocentric ball and the questions about, you know, can they find a second playmaker? I think it really is going to come down to, and you said promises not fulfilled about playing different basketball, but I think the bigger question is, is it even possible? Right? Like it, does he know a different way of basketball, especially at this point? Like, dude, I say this all the time with, with Russell Westbrook, right? People fantasize and theorize, oh, if you can just get him to do X, Y, Z, it's going to work. But they don't understand that he's, you know, he's bigger than X, Y, Z. He doesn't know how to reduce down to X, Y, Z because it's in his basketball DNA at this point. And Luca is doing whatever he did the last couple of years, you know, 28, 9 and 9 or whatever it was. 
phenom, right? Like, how does he come back down to earth from that? I think it's really difficult. So kind of expand a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think everything you're saying is fair. <laughs> I'm, I don't, I don't know if you guys roll the video out, but like I'm grimacing because it's true. And, and it's, it's well noted that James Harden isn't my favorite player to watch play basketball. And you know what, when Lucas started with Rick and even though it was heliocentric, it was a lot different. It, it was a lot more, uh, give and go. There were a lot more handoffs. There's a lot more cuts. There's a lot more movement in the offense, even though he was ultimately deciding the same amount of possessions, we are falling into the same trap Houston did, which is live and die with one player. Who's not totally in, in the best basketball shape that he can be in. And I, I don't know that's a winning strategy. And I, I really do go back to that Kobe interview with, with Jay, uh, or where he's talking about Harden. He said, he just can't win a championship that way. Like you can win a lot of games. You can't win. A ch- and I think Dallas is in that situation. And to your point, I don't know. Jalen Brunson has played well. He's been one of the few bright spots for this team. I don't know how much you want to take out of his hands. I think Kristaps Porzingis is somewhat underrated defensively. Still not the guy they thought he'd be offensively. He's not, you know, a, a consistent floor spacer like they'd hope he'd be. And to that point on Westbrook, Porzingis doesn't want to just spot up in the corners, right? Like that's been a, a piece of con- content for a couple of years like he wants to be more involved he's not overly efficient when he's more involved so i they're, they're in a bit of a tough situation and i think the only thing i'd push back on is there was this hope that luca being 21 now 22 like there's this room to grow and accept coaching except everything you hear is that luca is not overly interested in, in changing his style or um, chopping it up or changing how he plays based on what the coach is saying so you know, that the Mavs might be headed down the exact same road. It, it, and, it you know, he's a, he was a, like, he's been doing this since he was what, 15, 16, playing at a very high level. So like, that's yeah. like, yeah, he's 22, but he's already five, six, seven years in of being like the guy, you know, yeah, he's eight years of pro, <laughs> pro right? basketball. Yeah, and, absolutely. And the Mavs cashed in their chips for, for Porzingis. I think that's the biggest issue. They'd really, they're kind of, they've handicapped themselves because there's nowhere else to go. But what, what do you think, Zach? So I disagree that, that Luke or James Harden could ever win. Uh, with that style, I will always disagree with that Kobe quote because I just don't think that neither of them have had the teams yet. I mean, James finally has the team now, but he's not that guy anymore. He's playing a different style of basketball. But for the Mavericks, if they're going to play um, this type of lineup, like a depth lineup and no top end talent, their assists have to be way towards the top of the league. They're 22 in assists right now. Um, you would think their paces would be a lot better because. They're fifth and three point attempts. Um, and it's weird. I mean, their percentage is towards the bottom of the league. And so they're just chucking up a bunch of bad shots. And you'd think with the talent they have, they should be sharing the ball like no other. And so now, if they're going to play the way they are, if Luke is going to dictate the game this way, you got to go get top end talent. And who can they trade for that? You know? that's where it's getting tricky. I mean, what type of moves are to be made? Um, So now you got to, I think the only way the Mavs can truly get better is capitalizing on defense somehow. Um, You got to figure out, try to find a top seven defense is my opinion on it. Um, So I said before the year that they were one of five teams that really needed to blow it up. And that was Chris Stapps getting him out of there. I I didn't think it would ever work. And the first 10, 15 games, it was looking pretty decent. The team was flowing, and now it's back to where they were um, and just going to survive out on how good Luka can be. And 
um, how hot the rest of the team is from the three. Uh, so in your estimation, Josh, what type of move could they make and how desperate are they for a move? Because I think they're towards the top of um, panic mode when it comes to somebody that needs to make a move. Well, I, I think too, like um, credit to Maury and Houston, like they did bring in guys who could shoot the basketball a little bit. Like the Mavs are 25th and, and three. Yeah. They're 25th and three point percentage. Like they don't really have off ball shooters. They don't have clutch knockdown guys. And Tim Hardaway Jr., honestly, I, I, I think has mostly been a blessing given that the poor Zingas end of that deal has not been what they've expected. But he's hot and cold and he's all around. And now they're trying him off the bench. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Sterling Brown, Kristaps, Maxi Kleba, like all these guys, they're not killer three-point threats. So it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on Luca too, because now, you know, with the changes, he's not getting to line quite as much. Those assists that he's throwing aren't assists. Their offense is just totally out of whack. And, and I think you're right. And a lot of people who cover the Mavs and would love to see some sort of a major shakeup, I think. Like, uh, but the problem is, who wants Christoph Porzingis? And like, what can you, what can you get? Like, you're constantly weighing, like, what if Christoph Porzingis is healthy, engaged, and playing his best basketball for a playoff run versus the meager returns that I think you would get for him right now? And Jalen Brunson has played himself into like being at least interesting as part of that package. But I still don't know, like, what does a Christoph Porzingis Jalen Brunson package? get you and is that currently better than the ceiling of what you have yeah i mean <clears> the <throat> last thing i'll say about this is um you know what will the what will the performance be like if chris Stapps Porzingis is doing his thing in a playoff run i just don't think he's that guy i mean quite frankly i just he's just not that guy you know like yeah he can help out yes he can play well is he a number two on a contender no i don't think so um jalen it's funny too to hear Mavs fans tout like a jalen brunson solid player good player it just yeah. reminds me of when the Rockets would boost guys like Daniel House or something like that. You got to you know? shake what you got. I mean, yeah, well, no, I, mean I get it. I'm just saying from an outsider's perspective, it's like that's the clearest sign that it's not going to work. This current iteration, right? Like if you're relying on hope, hopefully Jalen Brunson will break through and like take a, take a leap and whatever. Tim Hardaway Jr., good player, but like streaky score. These are ancillary guys. You know, they need to be like fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, sixth guys. Um, and right now they're like second, third type guys. Cause, cause Chris Stapps is sometimes the second guy, sometimes not. Well, so. I, I think, I, I think Brunson's legitimately a good basketball player. He is. Really. I, he is. I, he he I, definitely is. I think, I think him and Tim Hardaway jr. If they shared the third, you, he's the third guy in your offense role, whenever they're on the court, it's Tim Morris Jalen. You would be in a good place. If you got another yeah. top 15 guy, it's just that you need a legitimate as Roosh said, second option on a contending type team, you don't, you don't have that. So it's this huge void. I agree. So we'll wrap the Mavs up there. Um, that's probably the most time I've ever given the Mavs on this podcast. <laughs> Bless their souls. Um, is there anything that, you know, you wanted to kind of talk about any surprises, any, any hot topics that you personally had on your mind before I continue to direct the conversation? Anything I had on my mind? Well, I don't know, man. I was, I just before this, I saw that Trey Young is now in health and safety protocols as well. Oh, I didn't see that. That happened today. And I just did a look. There are 65 players that are supposed to play on Christmas that are in health and safety protocols or hurt. 65. 65. Unbelievable, man. Like, I, I, I mean, obviously the NBA doesn't want to abandon the Christmas slate and they've clearly been, you know, pretty adamant to this point that we're not taking a break, but. This is getting pretty wild. 
This is getting pretty wild. I don't really want to watch Julius Randall shoot 25 times. To open and I'd rather season. watch Julius Randall shoot 25 times than watch like the, the Golden State, the Santa Cruz Warriors play for the Golden State Warriors on Christmas, you know, like true, I guess. But it, but it looks like that's where we're headed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. You know, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what their plan is, you know. Um, Keep on keeping on. I think I mean, it's, it's fair it's, for everybody because everybody's missing guys. So I don't think there's a ton of excuses to go around. Um, Except for like Utah somehow. You, you, Utah oh, and the, like hey, the Rockets, yeah. knock on some wood. Uh, every team that plays the Rockets seems to have guys enter protocol. The Hawks being one of them. Um, the, the Knicks being the other one. Um, but so far, no Rockets have, have entered protocol. So I don't know. Minnesota was good until um, Ant went down. But um, so, so next up, man, I wanted to talk about, unless Zach, you got something? I don't. Go for it. I was going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. They are surprising. They are number three in the East. They're one of the best defensive teams I think I've seen in a, in a long time. Um, and they're doing it. You know, Evan Mobley's been out and they're still doing it. And you know, when they, when they made the moves that they made preseason and they got Lowry Markkinen, they drafted Evan Mobley, they obviously extended Jarrett Allen, and they just went with, like, the dinosaur lineup. I, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Obviously, this is kind of the antithesis of what basketball has become, you know, big and long and kind of moping. Um, but they are, A, it's working. That is working. B, Darius Garland has taken a leap and is playing incredible basketball. C, Ricky Rubio is having, I don't want to call it a resurgence. I don't think that's right. But he's... He's very playing very valuable basketball and contributing on at a large level um, in like the classic veteran type role. And it's working and it just seems. And also then it seems like the removal of Colin Sexton either has made them better or hasn't hurt them at all. So I'm kind of surprised with Cleveland. Man. I, I, you know, for a while I was expecting them to kind of be on the tier of the wizards where they started hot and then eventually would fizzle out and kind of regress to the mean, but that's not what's happening. They're 19 and 12 and they look like an actual contending basketball team. So like contending as in contender, contender or playoff. I mean, look, they could, they could defend their way to the conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. There was some sort of seating where they got to avoid Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I could see that. Well, they're third, either of them. Yeah. They're third. So if, if the season was to end today, they would play Charlotte in the first round. And if they were to win that, they play the winner of Chicago and Washington. They'd have to get lucky as fuck and be yeah opposite of the other. Team. I mean, they could be look, it, look. But I don't think they're beating Chicago either. But you know, they could. They could I'm saying they could defend their way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What obviously, if they run into Lowry. Milwaukee and Brooklyn, it's going to be trouble. But you know, are they going to win at all? I don't. You know, I don't think so. But I'm just saying they could be one of those sneaky teams. They get contributions from all around. They've got tremendous. The Hawks size. of last year is basically what you're saying, huh? The Hawks of last year is basically what you're saying. No, the Hawks were the, – Trey was that engine that ran the Hawks. You know, everything kind of revolved around Trey. They don't have a Trey. Darius Garland's been playing great, but they don't have a Trey. Um, but they just – dude, they defend like crazy. They're so versatile defensively, and they're kind of on one rope, and they can shoot. Just kind of that like uh, – I don't want to call them the 60-win Hawks. I think that's not a right comparison, but something like that, right, where you're just like, how does this team keep doing it? And they continue to do it, and then they get trucked in the conference finals. But, but yeah, thoughts there. Okay, I have many, many, many thoughts here. <laughs> preseason i liked cleveland a lot more than everybody else like a lot more and i, I had yeah, i saw you quote tweet this i think the other day you, you boosted your old tweet no justin boosted it and then i reboosted it but oh, anyway yeah. but that i had him like eight i had him eight i didn't have him anywhere near this high but they were 12th in over under for wins in the eastern conference heading in 
And it's just, you know what? We focus so hard on players in the draft and we talk about potential and ceiling. And then we never apply that concept to a team that's been drafting guys forever. And I think that was Atlanta last year. We're like, yeah, they haven't put it all together, but they have a bunch of lottery picks that are all working to get paid. And like, there's going to be some growth. And I think Cleveland was in the right spot there. They needed shooting. They added Lowry marketing. They went big. Um, they cover ground without giving up any height or they don't give up any height while covering ground, which is whatever, however you want to put it. They're doing that exceedingly well. Garland and Allen are in the conversation to be all-stars. My, my thought, my way too far, this shouldn't matter. Why are you thinking about this? Just enjoy the season is big men who cover space don't last. Mm. And I, you know, like Bam's not the same guy in space. He was two years ago. AD's not the same guy in space. He was two years ago. Clint Capella was like one of the best switchy bigs in the league for like two and a half years. And then that just stopped. He just wasn't that guy anymore. And I just, I wonder if this is sustainable, like playing this big Mobley and Allen two, three years from now, but like, what does that really matter? Like, that's just a down the line thought, but are you saying that you don't, are you, are you specifically talking about Evan Mobley or Jared Allen or both? I'm, I'm saying if either one of them gives up some of the mobility that we've seen this year, this probably doesn't flow as well as it's flowed. I, think I agree great. on all those names besides Bam. I think he's doing just fine. And um, it's and the Jimmy Butler in and out of the lineup never helps. It's he's the heart and soul of that team. And I don't, it, it's every team he's on. If he's not playing, everything just gets wonky. <clears throat> saw it in Minnesota, Philadelphia, Chicago. Um, he just demands everything on both sides of the court, but um really like I'm not, I'm trying to figure out what you're trying to say with uh, Mobley and Allen. So you're saying like two, three years from now, this isn't that sustainable. Um, their yeah. defense they're playing right now. I, I would say I, I have questions about whether Mobley and Allen is still the long time flip fit for the cap. Cause AD and Capella have been in the league much longer. And for so. sure. But Capella, I think his point about Capella is right though. Capella was elite. And then all of a sudden he was like, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he, I even think Anthony Davis's value as a, as a switching big is is somewhat diminished versus what it was, and maybe and like now we've we've obviously the MCL and we've talked about his level of engagement is all time befuddling, but I ju- I just think that it takes a toll on bigs to cover the space they do at their body size, and I don't think you see it as long. So maybe maybe I would reframe it as like as much as they are surprised, like their window to do something with those two being an optimal fit might be quicker than people think. Um, I think a lot of their success has to do with Rubio, Chetty, and Love making a huge bounce back because um, they're doing this without Sexton. Who, if you'd have told me before the season Sexton was going to miss all these games, they'd be nineteen and twelve right now. I'd laugh at you. Um, they haven't missed a beat with them, and I feel so bad for that kid, man. It's terrible. Well, Jared, Jared Allen's, I think, like 22. Evan Mobley's 20. So they're young. So I think it bodes well for them, at least to the contrary of what Josh is saying. I think it bodes well for Cleveland that they got that the bigs they do have that are defending in space are young. But Zach, to your point, I think it's just it, they're getting they're getting it from all angles. You know, it's not <clears throat> it's hard to pinpoint one reason um, that is causing or spurring their success, but they're getting it from all angles, dude. Like they they, they have a multi faceted attack um defensively both offensively like they're just hard to stop they're they're a good team they're a solid well-rounded team they don't have that you know superstar top 15 talent to put you over the top yeah um and if they did they'd be a championship contender but and but they're, maybe, they're maybe, 
Maybe Mobley gets there though. I think I think Mobley could be that guy down the line and and look at Garland this year. I don't know. We'll see. I think I think Mobley's got a top seven ceiling. I really do. Will he ever reach it? I don't know. But what what would you say his ceiling is, Josh? I don't know. I, I don't think any of the the comps like exactly fit him nice. Right. Like I don't know that he'll ever be a better two way player than Anthony Davis. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going on with Anthony Davis the last couple of years, to be honest with you. But like in terms of, do I see him being that talented or, or that effective at both ends? Probably not, but maybe like top 15, like in that conversation, like he's an all NBA guy for a few years feels possible. My opinion has changed drastically on Anthony Davis the last year and a half. Uh, it's sad because um, he was on his way to being a top all time talent. I thought, uh, I mean, he can still get back on that track. But well, I will say like a lot of the criticism of like how players played in the bubble, I thought was mostly fans just being petty. Like your team didn't, didn't win or your guy didn't do this. So it's their achievement isn't what it was because there wasn't fans. There was bubble ball, but like Anthony Davis is strongly making me consider that because that shooting <laughs> sample in the playoffs versus everything else that we've seen with LA is just, it's not even close. Like it's, it's like two different players entirely. While we're here, while we're here, though, let me just say I never want to see NBA basketball played in a bubble ever again for that specific reason. We're Um, trending that way. Shit, the Cavs might not have a team tonight. Man, look, what Anthony Davis did in the bubble is the it's the quintessential example of a player that doesn't do well, not well, but doesn't perform up to like high expectations under the brightest lights. All of a sudden, getting some type of pass and just you know being able to hoop in like an AAU gym, you know, like and that's cool. That's fine, but we saw last year how much different it gets when you go on the road. That stuff matters, dude. There is, there is, it is, it is sure. indisputable that the, there's a psychological aspect and the travel component, especially for a guy as yeah. big and lumbering oh, as Anthony hate, Davis. It's I just hate not that because Anthony is Davis... Dip- go for it. I was just going to say, it, I'm not saying like, oh, the, the championship's not real, although we could have that discussion, but it's definitely different than the rest of history. You know, it is, it is, you can't argue that it's not different than the rest of history. It's its own isolated thing. Was the playing field fair? Yes, it was. Is it comparable to the, to any other season in NBA history, or at least any other season that we take seriously? It's not. Well, um, guys, I hate Anthony Davis being the poster boy of hating on him in the bubble because go back, watch the film of him in new Orleans in the playoffs. He's an absolute monster in the playoffs. And one of few guys who was never really underachieved in the playoffs. Once he's got there, he yeah, always he won five out. total. He won five total playoff he games underachieved in, seven in the regular season. He won the five playoff, playoff games in seven seasons. So. Right. Well, I think was on his team. This is the problem though, right? Like Anthony Davis should be a top five, six player every single year. He's yes. that good. He's that talented. We've hit him. We've seen him hit shots from absolutely everywhere. We've seen him lead the league in post-ups. We've seen him be a defensive player of the year candidate. There should be nothing that he can't do, but it just seems like the guy walks out there a lot, watches out there a lot. And I, I can I, can I swear on this spot? Should I not swear on this spot? I fucking hated when people talked about LeBron's killer instinct when he was young. It drove me crazy. I was like, he's making the smart basketball player. This is a stupid conversation, but like, for the first time in my entire life, I don't think I've said this about anyone else. Like, I just watch Anthony Davis sometimes. I'm like, man, this guy just does not want it. He just mm-hmm. doesn't want it. I would, I would venture way. to say that you've said that about James Harden somewhere down the line. <laughs> search, search, the, search the tape. Look to the tape. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I call them fatter than Santa. 
at least five <laughs> times. But I, I don't think I ever said killer instinct. I didn't look. I'll, I'll say this. Want it. I'll say this. Bigs in today's NBA, not even a player that can't generate offense on their own off the dribble is just inherently less valuable than players that can. So that's why Anthony Davis being a top five, top six guy, when it comes to numbers and when you factor in defensive impact, yes, of course. But when you get down to it, when you say, oh, Zach, the, the, the players on his team weren't good enough. I watched, <clears throat> you, you know what I'm going to say, but I watched James Harden win games. I watched James Harden go to a conference finals with what? Pablo Prigioni? Like, come on. If you're that guy, you can at least win more than one playoff series, win more than five playoff games, you know? Right, but that's that's the why thing. he's never been that guy. Well, that, but that's the thing. He needs someone to get generate offense and help him off the dribble. Yes. Right? Like, that's just how it is with bigs. But that's the thing, too, though, where I'm like, okay, if Anthony Davis was a go-get-it big, okay, and he was, he was defensive player of the year quality big at one end, okay, awesome, makes your defense incredible, and he was just a go-get-it big on the possessions he wasn't involved or in the nights he was involved. He put 40 pounds on in L.A., all on his shoulders, and the guy can't go get offensive rebounds and get easy putbacks. Like, if he had that JV hustle, no one would complain, man. If you, if you got 18 but you worked your ass off, no one would be mad about it. But it's just there's a lot of watching him feel things out, be awkward, be stagnant, not go get it. That is so, I don't know, flabbergasting from a guy that talented. Well, hey, that's also what makes Giannis Antetokounmpo so special is yes. that, you know, and, that, and that's why the comparisons, I think, We're at this point are, are just stupid. So with that said, do we talk about the Lakers or Zach, do you have anything that you want to talk about? I want to ask one more question. Yeah, I want to ask one more question on Cleveland. So if you had to pick one all-star, is it Garland or Allen? Because I truly think it's one of those situations like Memphis last year. I thought Jonas Valanciunas was the most valuable guy and. John Morant was the best player. I know some people hate that state of mind, but um, I think Allen, Jared Allen's the most valuable Cleveland Cavalier right now, and Darius Garland's the best player. That's tough. I, I think Allen's got a better shot, and I just I think, especially with Bam missing all this time, like center in the East, there, there's an op- Randall falling down. I think front court East, there's this opportunity for him to get in. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't fight you on that. I, I think they've been pretty close to impact, but there's a lot more guards in the East where I feel like it'll, it'll be tougher for Garland to slip in. Even I just feel watching like, Fred yesterday, Van Fleet in Toronto, I was like, I couldn't FVV or uh, Garland this year is a tough call. Maybe it'll come down to, to games played, but as far as bigs go, you got Giannis, um, you got maybe Vucevic, possibly. You got Embiid. Vuce is uh, out. Yeah, Vuce is out. Yeah, huh? uh, I, I don't think Vooch will be in. I Sabonis think has a better chance. To. I was, I was going to say Sabonis, <laughs> uh, but Embiid missed games too, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know, like, I don't know what the criteria will be. Can I throw one thing out here while you while you guys are thinking the yeah. statement? I saw a tweet, Zach, that said Pat Beverly has completely changed the culture in Minnesota. Fucking and I right. was like, give me a break, man. Come on. I, I hate the word culture in the NBA more than anything. <clears throat> we just we just use it when it feels nice. Here's a win. It's culture. Oh, it's a loss. It's culture. Look you know, at this it, guy it, screaming after a dunk. Culture. I'm like Jimmy Butler goes to Miami. He's the b- greatest culture guy of all time. Was he that in Minnesota? Hell no. And then like Rubio, Phoenix, Cleveland, amazing culture guy back in Minnesota. Now nah, we're getting rid of him. We're getting rid of him. I, come, it, is it really Pat Bev? So first of all, yeah, there's like a six-part question there. Everybody who leaves Minnesota becomes legendary after you leave. I mean, it's just what happens. Rubio in Utah, Rubio back in Cleveland. 
Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy was great wherever he went. I'm a huge Jimmy guy. Hold on, I'm going to push you on this. Those are two guys. Who else? Uh, Kevin Love turned into a winning player. David Ortiz, Doug Mankiewicz. Um, any sport, don't don't go into baseball. Don't go into baseball. Kevin Garnett became a champion. But Minnesota doesn't have many players. Look at Andrew Wiggins, prime example. Andrew Wiggins became a borderline all-star. He became a much different in the player we always needed. Well, I think that is an actual product of real culture. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Well, is that a product of culture or role? You're right. No, I'll I'll take that back. It's role. It's fit. So as for for Pat Beverly, it's electric, man, and it's contagious. I mean, literally our team, if you look at it on paper, uh, nobody thinks this is a defensive constructed team. Like, I would have said we were going to be a top seven offense before the year and a bottom five defense. That's what our team is built on. And then Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly, two all NBA defenders, have completely changed the culture because of their hustle and their grind. And it's like Tony Allen type shit. Um, and that Pat Beverly uh, is the quintessential example of a guy that like infuses a shitty team. You know, it's like you got absolutely. some coaches that that don't know how. I use this example all the time because it's the one that hits closest to home. The uh, University of Texas basketball. They they had a run in the. They had a ton. Which was Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes didn't know what to do with top end talent. He made his name coaching. Scrap it out, grind out games. But then once he got LaMarcus Aldridge, once he got Kevin, he got these guys with high end talent that were a lot, you know, high lottery picks. Texas didn't do anything because he didn't know what to do with them. And Pat Beverly's that kind of guy, right? Like, He's going to, when Houston was, was just building with Harden, he was really important uh, for the Clippers, right? When, when he got traded That's over the there and they, yeah, they needed like to stay afloat and kind of get an identity. He was there now with the T-Wolves, right? A, a 500 under 500 team, like he's shining through, but you put Pat Beverly on a, an actually good team. And I just think he's just another guy that's like over there beating his chest, you know, honestly, he overplays on defense. He plays like really hard individual defense. He's the kind of guy that's going to foul you three times and get called for it every other time, maybe. But he doesn't actually play intelligent defense. He doesn't play intelligent team defense. And he doesn't change a team's defensive scheme. That's my opinion. But I've seen a lot of Pat Beverly. So, I mean, I think he's a part of why we changed our defensive scheme. I mean, yes, Vanderbilt more so, but... Um, yeah, I think you finally just got some talent and they're starting to play well. That's, you know. I, no, that would have been that would have been if we were a great offense. And we're just the last three games, the first games all year, we've actually had a good offense. Like we've been surviving off talent on that end, where defensively, it's literally been Pat Bev and Jared Vanderbilt making up for everybody else's holes and D'Angelo Russell feeding Gosh, off Pat Beverly's energy and getting in people's ass. What what were you saying, Josh? I was just going to say, like, I'm sure Pat Beverly has been a positive impact influence player for that team. But, like, when I see stuff like, oh, he swung the culture, I'm like, you have a couple number one overall picks who are incredibly talented. You have McDaniels McDaniels and Vanderbilt playing great defense. You have D'Lo in and out of the roster, but he's been a mostly positive factor there this year. Like, this team, like, regression of growth had to happen at some point. Like, when you're so bad forever and you continue to accumulate talent, like, unless you're the Kings, it's going to happen, man. Unless you're the Kings, eventually. Uh, we're basically the Kings. Up. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, guys. So we're right so, there. I've actually enjoyed this episode because instead of like kind of hitting the, the stereotypical, you know, oh, Phoenix, Golden State, we're kind of bouncing around doing some random, some teams in limbo and um, continuing mm-hmm. 
continuing with that theme, unless you guys have any input to the contrary, please feel free to let me know. I'm not glued to this topic, but I'm really interested in Portland. Anyone interested in Portland? Just how bad they are? Lars, where is the question? No, I said as weird as the question. And no, well, they're twelve and eighteen, right? Yeah, Just another terrible. kind of like the Mavs. They didn't make any splashes, and they desperately needed to because Damian, you know, Damian Lillard's on his way out, or so we think, unless he keeps refuting every report um, <laughs> and retweeting well, people. Yeah, if, what's what's that quote? Like the apology better be as loud as the disrespect. That's it. Yeah. When Dame is traded this summer or before the deadline, Ooh, when? and it's leaked that he wants out again. And he is gone. He better he better tweet some apologies to all the reporters whose credibility he tried to like undermine when pretty much anybody with an ear to the ground has heard similar. I've heard Dame has wanted out of Portland three separate times. I think it's pretty well known that he met with ownership to talk that talked him out of it initially. There was there was talks four years ago now that he was gonna end up with the Lakers after this deal. Like there has been a lot and specific I'm not saying Dame is leaking it. I'm not saying that Dame has like had his hand in it, but for him to be like, no one in my circle has said anything. Come on, man. Like I think where there's smoke, there's fire. Someone is talking. Let's not pretend you haven't fantasized about winning somewhere else. It's happening. It's going to happen. I I agree, but I think it's smart that they are leaking these things for an unmotivated front office. Who's not um, doing jack shit for him. Uh, you got to What can they do, though? What can they do? What can they do? You got to try something, you know? Here's here's something. At the end of the day, let me tell you, it doesn't matter who you put next to him because his teams don't do well relative to what we consider to be real success because he doesn't defend and his teams don't defend, right? Portland has been a bottom five defensive team for I don't know how many years. They're always good at offense and they go out and do what? They get Larry Nance, they trade for Covington last season. You know, like guys that you think could at least improve a, a team defensive scheme. Covington's not a good like individual defender one on one with with um, you know players that are actually good, but he can help your weak side rotations and your scheme and all that kind of stuff. But they're they're the same team. Actually, they're worse than they've been. Right? It just doesn't matter. You put a, a player, CJ McCollum's not a bona fide number two, but he should no. be better than they should be better than twelve and eighteen. They're two games better than the Rockets, and the emotion, Rockets lost fifteen in a row. Creates emotion. The front office just has to do anything. Like and, and that is CJ and Nurt. Like literally, if if Dame saw him move somebody like that, I think he would go back to how good he was and be extremely motivated to be well, that dude again. You know what? Bring in defense. Like this offseason, they, they brought in Robert Covington, and he was like, actually, no, I, I know. Good. But like the guys that actually have any sort of value around the league, like I truly think this offseason before Malcolm Brogdon signed the extension, like I think. Him and Miles Turner, if you could find a way to get them, either one of them would have been a big upgrade from the defensive perspective in Portland, and you wouldn't miss a beat with what C.J. McCollum gave you. No, but that's what I'm saying is it doesn't matter because your your point of attack defender is Damian Lillard. Well, you and once your little's coming on. But but that's the thing. You (laughs) could hide Dame if his running mate wasn't C.J., so no matter what, you have a small ball guard out there trying to run champion that D. It's not, but here, there's so many things with this. Okay, Portland fans were so arrogant four or five years ago when people were like, "Oh, this team might never have a championship." Oh, this is fun. It's fun. Who cares? We're just a good basketball team. CJ McCollum had real value three or four years right. ago. People saw him. There were conversations like maybe he's better than Dame. Like Dame missed 18 games in 2018 or something like that. 
They went like, I don't know, 12 and 6. I don't remember what the record was. People were like, CJ McCollum might be better than him. There was real value. There was a real opportunity to do something. In 2019, the stars aligned. The stars aligned. They got a perfect seeding. They got Denver. They get to go against Golden State without Kevin Durant. I was in the building, man. Like without Katie, you couldn't get a game. You couldn't get a game. Like you, you, you couldn't get one game with Kevin Durant not playing basketball for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. It, like that was the moment where you should have been like, there is no chance. We just got the best possible scenario. This team can never do it. And they didn't make a move. And they they were they, they took their time and they wrung their hands. And now, now they're done. And I think on the Dame front, to your point, like, is he going to go, if he got traded to Philadelphia right now, do I think he brings another level of energy than we've seen this season? For sure. But at the same time, like, we've seen a lot of, uh, of small guards age out quicker than you think. And, like, I think Steph has got to skirt past that because he's Steph Curry and he's the greatest shooter of all time. But I, I don't know if, like, look at, like, Iverson, look at Starbury, look at all these guys. Now you got Dame, he's getting up there. Maybe he's just not. Maybe just not what the rule change is ever going to be what he was, too. Yeah. He I just mean, dropped 43 and 8 the other night, I guess. Yeah, but he's averaging, dude, he's averaging 23 no, points a game, which is the worst he's averaged since 2014, 2015. I, I have to imagine the rule changes have something to do with it. And maybe also, like Josh is indicating, maybe he's just, you know, a smaller guard that's starting to decline to some degree. His percentages are awful. I think he's going to hit. Um, you know, one of those stretches where he goes crazy and evens these numbers out somewhat. But even after these numbers even out, they're going to be worse than they've been over the last two or three years. But I agree with you. When, the when they worst, had... Worst shooting numbers of his career. It's the worst shooting of his career by, yeah. by a hefty margin. Yeah, yeah and, and he's playing the second most minutes, I think, ever uh, since his rookie season. 36.4 minutes per game. Rookie season played 38.6 minutes per game. 17-18, he played 36.6 minutes per game. Fourth most, sorry. 2019 to 20, 37.5. So in a what, you know, I don't know, nine, 10 year career, he's playing the fourth most minutes per game and he's shooting the worst, scoring the lowest in almost a decade. Like, I think there's real cause for concern. I think, <clears throat> I think the year where they went to the Western Conference Finals and it didn't work out and they couldn't even get a game. I agree with Josh, actually, because that was it. That's like, okay, this doesn't work. You got to switch it up. Like the, the archetype for a Damian Lillard led team needs to, needs to change ASAP. CJ still has value. He no longer does at that level. Maybe you go get Ben Simmons. I don't really know what Ben Simmons is going to do on a Dame team, honestly. And I um, think that would be done already if, right, if, if Philly if wanted it. Either side wanted it, yeah. really, to be honest. Like, I think they could have done McCollum and, and Little on picks if they wanted it. Or I just don't, I don't think either side really likes it. Neither side's really excited about it. Yeah. And then what? Neil Olshey was out. Um, Portland's got some serious, I think, dysfunction. Stops and, out. Huh? And then Stotts is out and you have the whole Billups. Stotts is out. Yeah. And Terry even Stotts, that, like, yeah. I think Terry Stotts is a pretty good coach. I don't think, I just think it was a defensive personnel issue. I think that's been obvious. They have right. not had the personnel. They have not been good defensively. They needed a complete makeover. And now they're only two games better than the Rockets that lost 15 in a row. Pretty sad, to be honest. And, and I always um, said, Anthony Simons was the next in line where he could have made up for CJ if he would have went out and got defense. Um, well, they traded for Norm Powell, right? Who's right. just another classic, like offensive guy shoots. Like they just went, they go all in on this positive defender. I'd say, yeah, he's like Norm's an okay player, but Norm's an okay player. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. is an okay player, right? Like if if you have two ballers, then then yeah, he can be your third guy. If not, you're you're looking hungry at at that wing. Who are you guys more worried about, Dame or AD going forward? It's a good question. Dame, I don't know. Dame, Dame. I think AD is what five years younger. 
for one. And then on the other end, 31 of like, versus 27. I think 80 is 28. Is okay. 27? Three years. Three years. But but on top of that, like I've seen AD play basketball like he doesn't want to play basketball and still be a top 20 player. So I, I think impact-wise, I, I think AD is a lot safer. Better. I also think AD's got a better situation, right? If he just comes back healthy, they can still make a run, make a push. Um, oh, Portland is... I, well, this year, for sure. I think Portland's hopeless. And we'll finish with that. Um, which is always a hot topic, but I guess for good reason. What do we think of the Lakers? What's going on with the Lakers? Josh? What isn't going on with the Lakers? I was doing, I was doing, um, it was Mad Dog I was doing a bit last night, and they were like, are they going to be better in the playoffs or worse in the playoffs? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do because I would not be shocked if their offense actually improved for a month here. Not because AD's been that bad. He hasn't. Like, historically bad jump shooting season. Still does a lot for them. He's still a good post, post-operator. But here comes the IT love. Let's go. They're just going to clear space. They're just, they're just going to be so much more space. Like, him and Russ together are anchors on an offense. And I think with him gone, they're going to be open, open some things up. LeBron is going to play a lot of five, which offensively I think is great for them. You're going to be able to put some more shooting on the floor. You're going to open up driving lanes for him and Russ. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if their offense is way better. And then at the other end, their defense is going to be way worse. Their defense is going to be bad. And then they're going to adjust, and they're going to find their groove and watch the Lakers win, like, six games in a row. And then Anthony Davis is going to come back, and they're going to be like, okay, we got to play slower again. we got to move the ball more because we can't just drive and kick anymore because is in the post. And then they're going to have to find themselves in that next six weeks before the playoffs. And they're just this – stop me if you've heard this before, because I'm sure we've heard this before, but a LeBron James team – a Lakers team, it's going to be a roller coaster all year long. I don't know. I don't know how they get to any sort of like centered, this is who we are. This is how we play with the personnel that they have. And I swear to God, if one more person tells me Trevor Ariza is the key, I'm going to just jump out a window. I'm, hey, I'm yet, yet another link to the Houston Rockets, of course. Yeah. Um, Zach, what do you think? I'm with Josh. I think. LeBron's playing good enough to win a few more games. It's just, what is the rest of the team going to do? I'm really concerned about them. I think they're a team that almost has to make a move, but I don't think they have a move to make. Like, I think it's really hard. This is what it is. Um, I'm not blaming Russ either. I don't think Russ is to blame. It's just such an embarrassing performance against Minnesota on Friday. And that, I mean, it was just weird to see that LeBron was just, really worthless that whole game um and he made a couple shots to get his stats up at the end of the game when it didn't matter but um i don't know if you i mean if you can't compete uh with minnesota like that um that's always a scary sign i don't know where they're gonna get any production from honestly and i think they have to find a way to finish in the top six in order to do anything in the playoffs so this could be a really testing time without Anthony Davis, um, especially with the teams below him in the West fighting and coming along here. So I don't know. This could be this could be really bad times for the Laker land, and I'm not I'm not really optimistic about it. Let me ask you this: if they do if they do what Josh said and they AD's out, they rattle off six in a row, they start to look like a decent basketball team. How quickly do we get to trade Anthony Davis talks? It's been trending on Twitter on and off the last few that days. That is dumb shit. <laughs> it's been trending on Twitter the last few days. I'm uh, just saying. But, like, would you even go down that hole? No way. Very quietly, I would. 
very, very <laughs> quietly. If if I was Rob Plinka, I would let's hear it. You can't you get got? anything. You can't get anything for Russell Westbrook. You can't. Right. Like you can't. You're not going to trade LeBron James. So like with the utmost emphasis on on being quiet and and keeping that circle tight, I would begin to just mumble and see what's available. If not for this deadline for the summer, just to see if I have options, just to see so, what else is out there. So fantasy trade scenarios are not my jam, but they are both of your collective jam. So some some fantasy trade scenarios for AD, throw them out. Josh, you started this. I got some thoughts, obviously, but well, I was just laughing because I was playing with the tra- with the trade NBA, the trade spoke tool, the one that exactly I both love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll do this all day, man. I just, not, I just, I like to watch and like talk about what's happening. I don't sit there and do that. I used to do that back in the day, but this is this is y'all's jam. So take it away. Okay, Lakers fans have been mad at who they had to play at center all year. When AD is at center, he doesn't like it. They can't play DJ. They can't play Dwight. I'm just saying, Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis for AD works money wise straight across. <laughs> you can have that both. Would, that would be really interesting. I mean, Indiana Although, I don't know how Westbrook fits with that, of course, but. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, picks across. would have to be coming to the Lakers. There. Look, man, sorry, man. I, I was just going to say, like, here's the thing. Like, I was joking with that, but if I was going to do it, like, LeBron played his best basketball with a secondary scorer who could create when he was taking a break. Like, Kyrie was the best teammate for LeBron that LeBron has ever had. It's too bad that their heads did not get on the way that No, I disagree. Have. You disagreed this? No, I disagree with the assertion you just made about Kyrie being the second best teammate he had. No, I, I said he's the best teammate he's had. Or being sorry, yes, yeah. I disagree with him being the best teammate. I think uh, prime Dwayne Wade. But he didn't get prime Dwayne Wade. That's the thing. Like he did those first two years a little bit. Twenty eleven Wade was like maybe still in his prime, and then after that, it wasn't. I think he got him for like seventy percent of that year. He wasn't a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think he got him for those first two years. I don't even think 2012 is. But we don't got time like to that. go down that. But I think AD has a case. The year they won. Sure. But I'm saying get him, get him a secondary playmaker that can score and can score and like create space for others. Like, and the thing was, the Dame was the guy. I was like, if there was a situation down the line where they could add Dame to the Lakers and Dame and whoever for AD or something like that. But the way that Dame's played this year, I would no longer be interested in that route. So. I don't like they're in a tough situation. I was thinking about Westbrook trades too. Russ or KP, who would you rather have on your team right now? Oh, Russ. Russ? Yeah. I don't I know. Mean, it, dep- it depends on the composition of the team. But I, like, I, like, I'm I still know. taking Russ. I'm still you know, taking. It, it's the contract, though. It's the contract. I can. It comes down they, to that. They each have one year left after, I think, right? But you know what I think is interesting? That's one where no one would be happy. Everyone would just be mad. <laughs> Especially if we're talking about Russ on the Mavs with Luka, I think that would be a disaster specifically. But um, what I think is interesting about about this discussion is we used to be in a place where it was, you know, just give LeBron any anyone that is All Star level talent, and they're going to the finals. And now it's like I'm I'm kind of struggling to find at least realistic fits that you could you know of star level talent that you could pair with LeBron at this stage. That would be he's, an automatic lock. That would be automatic. He still is eleven and six when he plays this year. Okay, he's eleven and six when he plays this yeah. year. Um, yes, I know against, he's only against played who against, though. Against who though? But that's, that's the thing. To to like he, the last three weeks, LeBron has been awesome. He has. He's been really good. But to Roosh's point, like that is that like there was a twelve year period where you're like, 
if LeBron has anybody, they're a threat. And right now he has AD and Russ, and we're like, I don't know if the Lakers are winning around in the playoffs. What about AD for Jalen Brown? I think that makes the Lakers better. Oh my God! Wow. This Celtics version, fans, Celtics fans, going to be pulling the wackest receipts when they were like Jalen Brown was like a rookie, and they're like, I wouldn't trade Jalen Brown for AD, and they just fluked into this being right. Like what a, I. I think I'd want more as the Lakers, and I think I'd, yes, I'd not you'd want get it. a little more. But man, they, I I would rather have another win than than a big right now. So I don't know. I mean, I want to point out. I want to point out that two of those wins that the Lakers got with LeBron playing were against the Rockets. Okay, and one of them, hey, uh, they almost lost at the buzzer. And you were you were telling me they were the hottest team in the league. You were telling me they're the hottest. They team were. In the league. They were. <laughs> who who was the hottest team in the league? Your Rockets. Yeah. Oh, well, no, they, they were. They, 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 yeah. they are. But yeah. uh, this was back when, like, they were losing 15 in a row. So, and they, and one of those was, uh, they, the Lakers won by two and almost lost on a buzzer beater. So, two of those are against the Rockets. One of them is against the Pistons. Um, one of them is against the Thunder. One of them is against the Magic. So, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, and, and all that being said, it's 11 and six, right? It's not and like, oh, Luca. Yeah, they haven't like, beat anybody good. Yeah, or they're like 13 and four, but like 11 and six. Like, uh. so I don't know. Um, but I will say that I think that they would be better spread out. I think the issue, though, like you alluded to, is that they get worse on defense, especially because that's the thing with LeBron right now. Is he still capable of putting up 30, 10, and 10 on any given night if he wants to? Yes. Is he walking on defense? A lot. And it's just. Can we agree, though, that this isn't Frank Vogel's fault, despite every loss? Like, how is this Frank Vogel's fault? What is he? He had the number one defense without AD and LeBron. He had all defensive personnel. He's like, I can do this. I can map. This is what I do. They're like, we're going to get rid of everyone on this team who can defend, except for Kent Bazemore and Avery Bradley, who do nothing on offense. Make it work. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's like, it's a LeBron team. It's the LeBron approach backfiring, right? Like the, okay, this isn't working wholesale swap, but it's not, it's not a LeBron team though. Like he had his hand in this. I I know what you're saying. Like he had his hand in this, the report that he kind of nixed the, the, the buddy deal for the Westbrook deal. So like he definitely, but this isn't like a, it's not a type of team that we've seen LeBron be successful with. This isn't like three and D this is tons of creation and, clogged paints and like i don't know this is like the lebron friends network club this isn't a LeBron <laughs> well that's what i'm saying though right is i'm not saying like the the archetype for a lebron championship yeah. team i'm just saying the lebron approach of like okay we got bounced in the first round i'm embarrassed wholesale swap like everything's got to change let's do it and and the whole westbrook thing i think obviously it was very directly his call saying you know i need someone that can carry the the engine or that can be the engine while i'm out or while i'm trying to man, you know load manage and obviously, I don't know why he thought Westbrook would be that guy. And this isn't Westbrook's fault, but he's just not that guy. You know, even in, the, in those games, like he's, he's, you want to talk about a roller coaster. A Russell Westbrook led team is a roller coaster. And, oh, you know, sure. we're seeing the Lakers kind of do that. But in wrapping up, uh, any, any final questions or final thoughts that you have, Zach? If there's one more team everybody should be worried about that's in panic mode right now that needs a roster move or any type of move firing. Who would be the number one panic mode team? Real quick, we'll get you out of here, Josh. Philly, Philly. Which Ross Roosh didn't bring this up because we 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 have a hundred dollars riding on Ben Ben never getting in that uniform. Fifty. Uh, 
We have is it 50, 50 right? is, it, is it 50? Okay. It's 50. Uh, uh, I, I'm anticipating I will be losing that 50. Yeah. Well, real, real quick, give me, give me your Ben Simmons talk, and then uh, we'll, we can let you get out of here. I, I just I think that at this point, like, is Philly really willing to sacrifice a healthy Embiid year? Like, I, I, I understand. I understand the precedence, and I agree. This is totally unfair from a league standpoint that players can do this in, in, in a long-term deal because it's going to cripple their window. You know, they have a contract honor. But does Philly want to keep playing chicken because they are, they are on, not, not just in the play-in, like they're, they're on the cusp of not being in the playoffs. They're like a win out of not being in the playoffs at all. And Embiid's prime is going to be, like, I, I don't want to say it's going to be short. I don't want to doom him. But like every year he's in, in uniform, you should be trying to win. Maxi's had a huge jump. I don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't know what the standoff is going to lead to. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Honestly, I, at this point, um, it's, it's bittersweet because I like Daryl Morey. Uh, but it's also hilarious that he left. Like, he jumped ship before the Harden catastrophe, knowing full and well that it was coming. And he walked right into, I think, even uh, an even worse situation. I think the Ben Simmons situation is worse than the Harden situation. Because at least the Harden situation came to a resolution fairly quickly. Right, like the 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 strip club stuff happened in in November. He was traded January thirteenth. Couple months, whatever. They got the compensation. They were able to move on, get the lotto pick, and like kind of you know refine themselves and their identity and their path. Philly's in limbo, you know. And like you said, they have a one of the best players in the league who's in his prime, and we don't know how much longer that prime is going to last. You got some ancillary players playing pretty well. Seth Curry's having a, a badass season. Tyrese Maxey's making a leap. Like they've got talent there. They're just missing the, the one guy that kind of made it all work. Also, though, to, to be fair, they are 15 and 15 partially due to Embiid missing games because of, I think, the COVID protocol, right? He missed like sure. eight or so nine or something like, games. Yeah, 12 games. Old. So 12 games. So that's got a lot to do with it as well. But um, now, I mean, they're in a worse situation. Like they got to capitalize on this. No one's budging. The asking price is reportedly, I think, astronomically high, unrealistically high. And if you come down from that, you look like a jackass. If you give into it, um, you look like a jackass. So I don't, I don't really know. They'll never move them at that point though. Like all of the deals that have been reported, like they're just so far away from what I think anyone's actually. And this is the other thing that made the Harden situation better to your point. If you'd stayed in Houston, like Harden could go to Mars and open the first ever strip club on Mars and no one would know where he is. And people still want him because he's that talented and we know what he can do. Whereas like Simmons are like, if we trade for him, he is talented. He can do a lot of things defensively, but we have to change how we play. We have to like totally think about this really hard before we bring that guy in. Whereas like Harden, you could have done no matter what. So I, I don't think he, I don't think the waiting game is going to play out. Like no one's going to be like, wow, we thought about it for six months. We've had 87 calls with you where you nickel and dimed us, but now we're going to give you everything we want. You want it. It's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. I hope it does for the league um, for better and for maybe Minnesota getting better as well. Uh, fingers crossed, but uh, my wife has got to get to Pilates. Josh has to get to Spotify green room. It's great catching up, my man. Uh, keep engaging. Keep doing what you do. Um, and uh, talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Josh. Best of luck with your fantasy squad. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. Oops.